Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Bad to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, my friend, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. I got another question on the floor today. Do you know what sin is? Because some of us in the body of Christ act like we don't know what sin is. The price we pay for sin is death, eternal separation from God, from his son, the Lord Jesus Christ over there in that lake of fire. That is why we must repent, turn from our wickedness, turn from riotous living, turn from sexual immorality, turn from worldly lust and passions turn from rebellion against God and turn to the only one that can save us, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord and God. Listen, child of God, you are now free to be holy. So, Don't go back to the jail cell. We have been set free to live clean, holy, sensible, upright, and righteous lives in Christ. He has set us free. So like the Bible tells us, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Amen. So, We are going to be looking at a ton of scriptures to the glory of God so that we are not deceived, so that we are not deceiving ourselves and others. Folks, listen, in this kingdom, we cannot be stumbling blocks. If you say that Jesus told you Through prayer, 
through your answered prayer that you get to stay in that sin, that when correction comes your way and you say, the Lord told me in prayer that what I am doing is not wrong. And if he says otherwise later, then I will stop it. Folks, that, <clears throat> that was not the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will never, ever, never, ever, never authorize sin. Not your sin, my sin, the man across the street, the girl across town, none of it. Because again, if that was the case, then why did he die such a horrific, bloody, violent, mutilating, bloody death on our behalf if sin still has mastery over us? Did he not defeat sin? Yes or no? Yes or no? Did he not nail the the charges that we racked up and stacked up against holy God because we refuse to come out of sin. Folks, listen, we can play these games if we want to. Jesus knows that heart. So, before we get into it today, let us pray, please. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the gift of faith. Thank you for the gift of repentance so that we don't want to sin anymore. Thank you for sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to this world to die on the cross for our sins. Father, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that you sent us the Holy Spirit, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, Father, you raised Jesus from the dead according to the scriptures. You tell us in your word, sin no longer has control over us. If the Holy Spirit indeed live in us, we put away the sin because your, your essence of who you are is living on the inside of us. Father, you tell us in Galatians 2.20, we have been crucified with Christ. Christ lives in us. We no longer live. The old man was crucified to the cross right along with Christ Jesus. If we say we have been born again, then we must live holy. Father, the good news. You tell us over here in John 3. 
John 3.16, because the world knows John 3.16. But at the same time, the world at large has rejected Christ Jesus, the only one that could have saved them, but they said no. Why? Because you tell us over here in this same chapter that people love the darkness more than they love the light. People love their sins more than they love Jesus. Jesus told us, what was it? Was it John 7, 7? Yes, that people hate him because he exposes their wicked ways. But the good news, Father, is that you have made a way for us to be made right with you through Jesus Christ, who reconciled the world back to you. You tell us over here in John three sixteen, some awesome good news. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as savior shall not perish but have everlasting life amen father you gave us your one and only begotten son and father just so that we can continue to have the understanding of the word begotten here in this context we know in the natural when two human beings two married okay two married human beings in order to have a baby the seed of the man must enter the woman so that his seed and her egg can connect and they conceive a baby. Most cults, all of them, teach that here where it says your only begotten son, they teach that Jesus is a created being. They fashion his birth after the pattern of when human beings beget other human beings. Father, beget, begetting over here has nothing to do with procreation at all. This scripture, thank you Holy Spirit, is not saying God had a baby. It is saying that Jesus' birth was one of a kind. The only one begotten in such a fashion that he was conceived and born through the womb of a virgin young woman. No one has ever been conceived in such a way. That is what John was referring to. He was talking about Christ. And how he is the only begotten son of God. Because he is the only one that was born in this unique, one of a kind way. He is the only one 
that came through the womb of a woman without a natural man's seed. Father, even over there in Genesis 3, even Satan knew that when the Savior of the world was going to come into the world, that it was going to be a special kind of birth. Let's go over to it, Father. Let's take the people on a quick journey back in time. Genesis 3. Because, Father, we all know the story of our first parents, Adam and Eve. What had happened in the garden, they disobeyed. And so, over here, in Genesis 3. When you were pronouncing this judgment on the serpent, in verse 14 of Genesis 3, the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than any animal of the field. On your belly you shall go, and, and thus you shall eat all the days of your life. Verse 15 and I will put enmity, open hostility between you and the woman and between your seed offspring and her seed, her seed. He shall fatally bruise your head and you shall only bruise his heel. Amen, Father. We know, okay, we know that this is the first prophecy about the Messiah who through his death on the cross and resurrection would ultimately defeat Satan, the power behind the serpent with a death blow. So Father, here it says her seed, not her husband's seed. So, even Satan knew that a woman was going to conceive a child not born by the natural way that a baby is born. That is why he put it into King Herod to kill all those innocent babies under the age of two and through time he was looking for this this one woman that was going to give birth in such a unique way so father getting back over here to john 3 we know that jesus was the only one and will be the only one born in such a way. That is why you said your only begotten son. And we know when we come to Christ in him, the spirit of adoption lives in us. We have been adopted into the family. Jesus was not procreated he was not created so father i pray as long as the holy spirit continues to prompt me to highlight this word begetting because 
a lot of people in the body of Christ still hold on to the foolish notion that somehow, some way, Jesus was created. That he was not with you from the beginning when John 1, 1 tells us differently. So, Father, we give you glory. We thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that you have put in us righteousness. In Christ Jesus, we now have been provided with righteousness so that we seek your kingdom first. We seek your righteousness in how to be made right with you and going forward, live clean, holy, sensible, upright lives. Because Christ died for us so that we no longer has to be shackled by sin and death. The Spirit now lives on the inside of us, teaching us, training us how to be holy. So, Father, I ask for wisdom today and discernment to teach today's lesson. And I pray that the brethren put away all sin and that they heed to correction because, Father, we all are still learning. None, none of us are better than each other. Because at the end of the day, if we go back out there into the world, we will be worse off than before. So, Father, I pray that today's lesson bring you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. So listen, Jesus makes it clear in John 8, 12, when he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. So the implication and expectation that if we are following Christ, then we will not walk in darkness. We can, listen, we cannot be in violation of the scripture and expect for all to be well in our lives. We must absolutely come out of sin. Folks, let me just be so blunt today. If you do not repent and if you die in your willful, blatant, practicing everyday sin, you will go to hell as you await final judgment. What judgment? The great white throne judgment. Folks, this podcast, this ministry of Back to God Ministries. This is a warning ministry. So over here, this is all I have been graced to exhort, to teach, to encourage, 
and to explain that in Christ, we don't make it a practice of sinning. Amen. And to the glory of God, we allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. The Bible commands us to not grieve the Holy Spirit of God because Hebrews 10 tells us it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Amen. So when we meet Jesus, and I'm talking about the real Jesus Christ here. I'm not talking about that that fake Jesus that the false church preaches and teaches about. No, I'm talking to the one who said repent or perish. When we meet that Jesus Christ, sin no longer holds its fatal attraction. Grace changes everything. Listen, Romans 6, 1 through 2. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Amen. And the answer to that is we don't. When we are born again, right? Because Jesus told Nicodemus, over there in John 3, 3, that you must be born again, born of the spirit, right? When we are born again, the power of the Holy Spirit breaks the power that sin once had over us. Amen. We see this in Romans 6, 6. Once we lit, once we lived only to please ourselves, but when we have been forgiven, our motivation changes. We now live to please God. Amen. Folks, study Galatians 2.20. So, today, we are going to be looking at those sins. The Bible says that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But first, let us get this understanding. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Amen. And he also said in Luke 9, 23 to 26, And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish, selfish interests, and take up his cross daily, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me. Believing in me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living and, if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Amen. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will 
eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in in this world for my sake, he is the one who will save it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, wealth, fame, success, and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed here and now of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Heavenly Father and of the holy angels. Amen. So, this tells us it is so not about our pleasures, treasures, and selfish ambitions. It is all about the living Christ. When we surrender to his lordship, we stay out of sin. Can't get any clearer than that, folks. It is what it is. Please remember and never forget, Judgment Day is coming. It is nearer now than when we first believed. Paul tells us this. Now look. Look at <clears throat> look at what it says in 2 Peter 2, right? In verses 18 to 22. Now, keeping this text in its context, it is telling us about these false teachers and false prophets, right? And how they, uttering arrogant words of vanity, pompous words disguised to sound scholarly or profound, but meaning nothing and containing no spiritual truth. They beguile and lure using lustful desires by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error. They promise them liberty when they themselves are slaves of depravity for by whatever for by whatever anyone is defeated and overcome to that person thing philosophy or concept he is continually enslaved for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world by personal knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They are again entangled in them and are overcome. Their last condition has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have personally known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to have turned back from the holy commandment verbally handed on to them. The thing spoken of in the true proverb has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and a sow is washed only to wallow again in the mire. 
Amen. Folks, listen. The same can be said of us too. That if we get ourselves tangled up and enslaved by sin again, we too would be worse off than before as well. Listen, this applies to us too. That is why we must stay out of sin and not return back to our vomit of sensual, sinful, lustful pleasures. Can't say it enough on the podcast. Beloved, we are called to live holy. And that's just it. Our victory is in Christ Jesus, who, let us not forget, laid down his life for us. Let's come over here real quick, right, Holy Spirit, to Titus 3. Because Titus 3, I, I f- fell in love with the book of Titus about a month or so ago, and I can't get enough of the book of Titus. Okay, listen. Titus 3, 5, right? Because it was talking about godly living. Titus 3, 5 says, talking about Jesus. He saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own compassion and mercy by the cleansing of the new birth, spiritual transformation, regeneration, and renewing by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out richly upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we would be, what, justified, made free of the guilt of sin by his compassionate, undeserved grace, and that we would be acknowledged as acceptable to him and made heirs of eternal life actually experiencing it according to our hope, his guarantee. Amen. Folks, listen, we have escaped from the bondage of sin through the death, burial, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and God. I'm beating this dead horse for a reason, folks. Sin is no longer your master. Romans tells us, the book of Romans tells us in chapter 6, starting at verse 6. We know that our old self, our, our human nature without the Holy Spirit was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Folks, you don't have to be a slave to sin. Well, I just can't stop smoking these cigarettes. I I can't give up this weed. I don't know what it is about these drugs, but they just keep calling me and calling me. I can't give up my living lover. We share bills together. 
We have our medical insurances wrapped up together. I love her. I love him. I can't give him up. I know we are not married, but we have been engaged for five years. We we about to get married any day. Meanwhile, you're still sleeping together, still committing fornication. Listen, you are a slave and you sound just like a slave to sin. When you, you are the very ones who keep telling everybody how you have been born again, you have been saved, and you are doing all these good works in the Lord. That means nothing. Are you doing the will of the Father? And that is to believe in His one and only begotten Son. Do you believe in Him? Because if you say yes, then you should know he died for your sins and sin no longer has dominance and mastery over you. And the fact, thank you, Holy Spirit, and the fact that you are still in willful sin, you don't know the living Christ. Can't be. You are serving another false messiah. That Jesus is telling you it's okay to stay in your lust, your fornication, your riotous living. It's telling you, you are once saved, always saved. You, my friend, are deceived and you need to wake yourself up. Paul tells us, do you not know? That the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't care how many unbiblical, unscriptural sinners, sinners prayer that you cried all your way down to the altar as you shook, as you shook that pastor's hand. You are not born again. The Spirit of God does not reside in you if you are deliberately, knowingly sinning against God. So listen, back over here to Romans 6, verse 7. For the person who has died with Christ has been freed from the power of sin. Amen. And if we come down to verse 6, I mean to verse 12 of Romans 6, therefore, Paul is about to give us a command. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts and passions. Do not go on offering members of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. Amen. But I'm not sinning. I love Bob. We are planning to get married and we came to the Lord together and we asked the Lord to forgive us of this fornication. Okay, so then why are you still fornicating though? But no, the Lord has forgiven us of it. Okay, so then why are you still doing it though? Yeah thought so. 
You must come out of that fornication. Once you repent of sin, you don't get to go back into it. Did we not just read? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Did we not just read 2 Peter 2? You are proving every single day the truth of the proverb, how a dog returns back to its own nasty, stinking, smelly vomit. You are proving the truth of that proverb every single day that you and Bob are still shacking up together. Listen, come back over here. Romans 6, 13. Do not go on offering members of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but offer yourselves to God in a decisive act as those alive raised from the dead to a new life. This is a new life you are living. No, precious, you don't get to stay in your sin. Because if that's the case, then we all get to stay in our sins and be just as deceived as you are. But no, absolutely not. Do you not know that Christ laid down his life for you in love, willingly, paying the penalty that was rightly due to all of us because we racked up and stacked up that huge sin debt that we could not have paid ever. But Christ became a sin offering on our behalf so that God's holy righteous wrath would no longer be upon us. He saved us from this lake of fire. And you in the the 21st century is going to fix your face talking about how, oh, it's just so impossible to stop sinning. No, it's not. Not when you have met the real Jesus Christ. Not when you are serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not when you know how he ain't playing with this lake of fire, Missy. Okay? So you have not met the true and living God. Can't be. Because if so, you will have the fear of God. The fear of the Lord turns men from their sins. It wake us up. Listen, back over here. Verse 4, verse 13, right? Being raised from the dead to a new life and your members, all of your abilities sanctified, set apart as instruments of righteousness yielded to God. Verse 14, for sin will no longer be a master over you since you are not under law as slaves, but under unmerited grace as recipients recipients of God's favor and mercy. Amen. So let me, (laughs) let me beat this dead horse further into the ground. Listen, hold on one sec. I hate when my, I hate when my thing does this. Listen, all these ads be popping up on my recording app. 
is a mess. And no, I am not paying for pro. So listen, let us take a, a real quick look at Romans 8. And then we're going to go through some of those scriptures that talk about what sins that will keep you out of heaven. Okay. Because the body of Christ, some of us over here is playing, playing, grieving the Holy Spirit, acting like you don't know what the word of God says. Meanwhile, you say you are in the word every day. Well, then if that's the case, then you are blatantly disobeying Jesus commands. When, when he tells us that if you remarry, when your first covenant spouse is alive and you've divorced that person and you remarry while he or she is alive, Jesus says you commit adultery. I have taught many lessons on this podcast about the sin of remarriage and adultery and divorce. This is a serious topic because we see this rampant in the world and in the body of Christ. And those in the body of Christ have twisted Jesus' teachings on this topic. They have allowed themselves to have their ears tickled by these false teachers about what Jesus has to say. Folks, listen. We're going to see in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 that no adulterer, okay, because we'll inherit the kingdom of God because we can sit here and play mind games with ourselves talking about, well, I know I remarried and my first spouse is still alive, but I asked Jesus for forgiveness and he had forgiven me and going forth, we are living clean and holy. You are so deceived. No, you are not going forward living clean and holy because you're still in adultery. I keep telling y'all, listen, Jesus will never authorize sin. Because if you, if you confess, stop playing. If you have confessed sin, right? Confessed it. And the Lord, he's just, he will forgive you of your sins. Absolutely. But guess what? You must stay out of it going forward. You don't get to say, well, I prayed and Jesus has forgiven me. And um, I made a promise that I'm going to live clean and holy for now on. Okay, and you should. But you don't get to stay smoking the weed. You don't get to stay with your homosexual lover. You don't continue to murder people. You don't get to keep on lying and stealing and, and living with your third spouse. No, you are deceived. Folks, I keep telling you, there's a false Christ. And how do we know this? Jesus told us in Matthew 24, in these last days, there will be many false messiahs. So, so that tells us that there is in fact a false church who preaches these false messiahs telling you, you can live your best life ever telling you, 
once saved, always saved, and that how no man can pluck you out of Jesus' hand. See, Jesus says it right here in the scriptures. No man can pluck you out of my hand, which is absolutely correct. That is true. But who do you think Jesus was talking about? Do you think that he was talking about the one who who continues to disobey him? And live in their everyday sin? Do you really think Jesus was talking to the one who, who claims fellowship with him but yet don't listen to him? Talking about Lord, Lord. Why you call me Lord when you don't? Listen to me. You don't obey me. I've made myself so clear in my word. You read it. You understood it. But you said, no, I'm not coming out of it. Do you think? Come on now. Put on our thinking caps here. Do you think the Lord Jesus Christ who died such a horrific death so that sin will no longer have mastery and dominance and power over you that you get to stay in his hand and you are doing everything to come out of his hand do you think that that promise is for you because if you do you better wake up because you are deceived listen let's come over here to romans 8 okay let's bring some clarity and common sense to the whole situation folks listen (laughs) i keep telling y'all this is the lane the grace that our heavenly father has given me to shake up the brethren To pull them out of religious dogma. Out of their deception. To make it plain and clear and with boldness. You must repent or you shall perish. And to help Jesus in his harvest as a laborer a servant, to recover the lost, to preach to them the gospel. So you are not going to find any ego massaging messages over here. You want to know why? Because some souls need to be snatched out of hell's fire. The Lord obviously has given other ministries different gifts. Some are of mercy and love and encouragement. They they speak to you smoothly. Okay. That's their ministry. Over here, it is the hard core message of repentance so if you think all I do over here is scream and yell and rant and rave you are correct you want to know why okay 
There are many souls going to hell each and every day being snatched out of their body suits and not coming to the Lord in time. So don't come over here on the podcast talking about, oh, you just so, so, so brash and so harsh. You better believe it because you want to know why I love God's people and I don't want to see anyone go to hell's fire. And these, these messages, they are for me as well, because like Paul said, okay, I keep my body under subjection so that I myself don't be a castaway. Even Paul had the understanding that with all the gospel he was preaching to all of those churches, he was, he was setting up that he himself, that if he don't watch it, he too can get the business. Okay. So no, I ain't got time to be sugarcoating and watering down this message. This message saved my soul. Okay. So all I want to do is turn around and snatch as many sticks from the fire. Amen. So back over here to Romans 8. Listen. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Come down to verse 3. For what the law could not do, that is overcome sin and remove its penalty, its power, being weakened by the flesh, which is man's nature without the Holy Spirit. Well, God did. How did he do it? He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh, subdued it and overcame it in the, in the person of his own son. So that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh, guided by worldliness and our sinful nature, but live our lives in the ways of the Spirit, guided by His power. Amen. Because look at, at verse 5. Verse 5 of Romans 8 is so telling. Listen. For those who are living according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. But those who are living according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit, His will and purpose. Now, the mind of the flesh is death, both now and forever. Why? Because it pursues sin. But the mind of the spirit is life and peace. And what is life and peace in the spirit? Well, it is the spiritual well-being 
that comes from walking with God, both now and forever. Verse 7, the mind of the flesh with its sinful pursuits is actively hostile to God. It does not submit itself to God's law, nor can it do so. And those who are in the flesh living, listen, living a life that that caters to sinful appetites and impulses cannot please God. Cannot. However, you, beloved, are not living in the flesh, controlled by the sinful nature, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God lives in you, mm-hmm, if in fact, if in fact, the Spirit of God lives in you. You are not living by the flesh. So, if so facto, if you are living in your flesh, the Spirit of God does not live in you. And I don't care what you have to say. Look at the fruit of your life. Again, can't say it enough on the podcast. This is not judging anyone. Jesus, our God, told us we can judge of a tree by the fruit it bears. You are bearing fruits of adultery because of that remarriage, because you are, in fact, cheating on your first covenant spouse. We can judge the fruit of fornication in your life because you are sleeping with every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and Sally, and Jane, and you are not married to anyone. We can judge the fruit that you are a murderer because you can't stop killing folks. This is not judging as if we are, we are, you know, high and mighty and lifted up. No, then stop bearing, then stop bearing bad fruit. Then we ain't got nothing to say. Because listen, we love the brethren and we pull on each other coattails when we are going in the wrong direction. Listen, Paul tells us up and down and throughout his letters. Don't let your brethren fall into sin. And if he does, you go to him. And tell him. And if he don't respond to you, bring some witnesses so that they too can tell him you're going the wrong way. And if he still don't listen to that, then bring him to the leader of the church. Let that true man of God tell him he's going the wrong way. And if he still say no to all of that, then put him out. Put him out of the church. Treat him like a tax collector. Have nothing else more to do with him. Because obviously you want to walk by the torches of the light you have set ablaze for yourself. God tells us over there in Isaiah 50, 10 to 11. Well, this is what you can expect from me. You will lie down in a place of pain. Amen. So, So why will I? or any one of us, see a brother or sister in willful sin 
and not say nothing. Talking about, oh, well, you know, it's on them. They got the same Bible I got. No, oh, well, nothing. No, we go to them in love, telling them you're going the wrong way. If you don't come out of that, you're going to perish and you're going to go to hell as you await final sentencing on judgment day. That's it. And if they don't come out, then have nothing else to do with them. Move on to the next town. Shake the dust off your feet. What else more can you do? Right? So let us, <coughs> let us in closing, take a look at some of these sins that will keep us out of heaven. But first, Let's take another look at Psalm 7. Because Psalm 7 was yet one of these scriptures that tells us and teaches us how God ain't playing with this lake of fire. Okay. Psalm 7, starting at verse 11. God is a righteous judge. A God and a God who is indignant every day. If a man does not repent, God will sharpen his sword. He has strung and bent his mighty bow and made it ready. He has also prepared other deadly weapons for himself. He makes his arrows fiery shafts aimed at the unrepented. Behold, the wicked and irreverent man is pregnant with sin, and he conceives mischief and gives birth to lies. He has dug a pit and hollowed it out and has fallen into the very pit which he has made as a trap. Verse 16, his mischief will return on his own head and his violence, his violence will come down on top of his head like loose dirt. Verse 17, I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness and justice, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. Amen. So here we go. Here we go with those sins that if you make these a living practice in your life habitually with no remorse, no regrets, no repentance, no shame, you will perish and spend eternity in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is flaming sulfur. And there will be no rest for you day or night. The smoke of your torment will rise day and night. You will be tormented for all eternity, separated from God, from his son, and from their glory. So, we, could keep, we can keep playing if we want to. Now look, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 12. Or know ye not 
that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. An effeminate man is a man that's very girlish, prissy. Some of them dress up as women. Some can be transgender, transvestite, and they indulge in homosexual sex, sodomites, right? They won't be getting in either. Nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Nope. And such were some of you before you believed. Right, Holy Spirit. Let me back up. Where it says, nor revilers. A reviler is a person that's always railing. They have an, a very abusive tongue they constantly criticize, protest. It's like having bullets and they spew out these bullets on their tongues like ammunition, okay? Always yelling and just being verbally abusive, okay? Because if you believe you have a right to say what you want to say, how you want to say it, and as they say, be damned, everyone else, you want to perish. Oh, yes, you and that mouth of yours is going to perish. So, verse 11, And such were some of you before you believed, but you were washed by the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You were sanctified, set apart for God and made holy. You were justified, declared free of guilt in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Holy Spirit of our God the source of the believer's new life and changed behavior. Because verse 12, everything is permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power, allowing it to control me. Amen. Folks, my bell. That statement alone, that verse alone should be supplanted into your brain so hard that you eat and drink and sleep what Paul just said here. But I will not be enslaved by anything and brought under its power, allowing it to control me. Amen. And that should be the mindset of us all. Revelation 21, 8. Because we are talking about these sins. Okay. And this is not a full list, not by any stretch of the imagination. But for the sake of time, I'm giving us some. Because again, 
Some of us over here act like we don't know what sin is and the penalty thereof. Okay. Revelation 21, 8. But for the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and fornicators and sorcerers. Yep. That's witchcraft. That includes smoking that weed. Okay. And idolaters and all liars, their part shall be in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Mark 7, 20 to 23. And he said, that which proceeded out of the man that defiled the man. For from within, out of the heart of men comes what evil thoughts proceed fornications death murders adulteries covetings uh, wickedness deceit lasciviousness folks men and women this sin right here will send you straight to a burning hell this is talking about sensual sexuality Dressing provocatively, dressing like a harlot, all of this sensuality, being a seductress, okay? Let me tell you something. Ain't no harlot or whoremonger will inherit the kingdom of God. Your place will be that lake of fire if you don't get some clothes and put it on it. Cover up that body. Listen. Talking about what comes out of the heart, okay? Because since you are the very ones who claim, oh, Jesus knows my heart. Yeah, he tells us about this dark heart over here in Jeremiah 17. Because Mark 7, 20 to 23 answers this Jeremiah question. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Right? Well, Jesus is telling us over here, Mark, what's in this heart that is so desperately wicked and sick. Because don't forget verse 10 of Jeremiah 17. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Folks, Jesus Christ is coming back. And he has told me to tell the people. So I'm telling y'all, when he returns, his reward will be with him. And he will give to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings, which have all been written down in the books of your life. And how do we know this is so? Revelation 20 tells us and the books where we at. Verse 12, and if we come to the middle of verse 12, because John was saying how he saw the dead, small and great stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life and the dead were judged, judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So we can... We can sit over here and keep playing if we want to. Talking about Jesus said it was fine that I can stay. And he told me, don't go. 
don't leave. Don't 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 give up smoking this weed because you know you got a brain tumor or you got cataracts. Meanwhile, his his healing power and restoration and rest just just sit up on a shelf somewhere in your life though. <sighs> Lasciviousness and evil eye railing. See, here we go with the railing again, folks. Pride, foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Amen. Romans 1, uh, verses 24 to 32. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created, created instead of the Creator Himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other and the men. Instead of having normal sexual relations with women burned with lust for each other, men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, so I don't care what the culture has to say homosexuality, lesbian, um, lesbianism, and all everything in between that is sin. They suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God. He abandoned them to their to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done their lives verse 29 became full of every kind of wickedness sin greed hate envy murder quarreling deception malicious behavior and gossip they are backstabbers haters of god insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They, listen, verse 32, they know God's justice requires that those who do these things desire, um, deserve to die yet they do them anyway and worse yet they encourage others to do them too mm -hmm. Romans 2 2 to 3 and we know that God in justice will punish anyone who does such things as these do you think that God will judge and condemn others for doing them and overlook you when you do them too? 
First、mm-hmm. Timothy one nine through ten. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexual immoral, for those practicing homosexuality. For slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine. Amen. Ephesians five three to seven. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity. Or of greed, because these are listen. These are improper for God's people. Nor should there be obscenity. So all of y'all potty mouths out there, y'all better clean that mouth up. Foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place. So, for the record, there is no such thing as Christian comedy. All comedy because they okay they may not throw the f bomb around but they make fun of holy living holy language so no there ain't no such thing as Christian comedy nor is there a such thing as Christian hip hop y'all better stop playing I keep telling you. I don't know what God you are serving or what Jesus you are following. It is not the God of the Bible. Listen, verse five. No, verse four. Nor should there be be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. That. Is what should be coming out of our mouths, folks. Okay, for for of this you can be sure. And then there's a colon. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Verse six. Here we go. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, all what we just been reading about, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Amen. There we go. Colossians three five through nine. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Here we go with another colon. A list is coming our way. Listen: sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Here we go with another colon, another list: anger, rage, malice, 
slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Amen. Listen, this is how we get it right. James 4, 8. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Double Amen. Folks, the works of the flesh is listed in Galatians 5, 17 to 21. The Lord did not leave us clueless about what sin is. He impressed it on the hearts and minds of holy men who were carried along by the Holy Spirit to write the wisdom of God down. Paul tells us over here in Galatians 5, a list, maybe about 17 works of the flesh, that you will burn if you don't repent and stay out of these wicked practices. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But, but, verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. And here we go with another colon. The list is this. Sexual immorality, which we know is also fornication. Impurity. Folks, we must live clean and debauchery. Stay out of all of that wicked, riotous living. Idolatry. We cannot idolize anything, anyone but the living God. And witchcraft. That includes sorcery. That includes any drug alcohol, whatever, that you inject, digest, that alters your mind. You are opening up yourselves to devils. Hatred. Enough said. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Folks, these are works of the flesh. This is what your flesh wants. This is what the world say you can have. But John told us, don't love this world because all that it offers, all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These things don't come from God. They come from your enemy, the devil. Listen, 
selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Anything else that that is associated with anything on this list, Paul says, and the like. So you can take all of that. Well, it's not on the list. What do you mean it ain't on the list? Yes, it is. By him saying, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. May God have mercy on us all. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless your holy name. Thank you for your loving kindness, which endures forever. Thank you for your long-suffering, for your forbearance. Father, you have made yourself absolutely crystal clear in Acts 17, 30 to 31. In times past, you have overlooked man's ignorance. But now you command all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because you have set a day in which you will judge in righteousness the inhabited world by a man whom you have appointed for this task. The credible proof of who this man is, you raised him from the dead. The Lord Jesus Christ has been given all authority to judge mankind because he lived a perfect, sinless life. He laid down his life as an offering. The proof that you accepted Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf is when you raised him from the dead. So rightly so, he has been given all authority to judge over here in Revelation 20. Father, you tell us, those who love you obey you. So I pray for myself as well as the brethren that we stay out of sin and live holy lives. Don't buck up against the Holy Spirit, but yield ourselves, our wills, our members to his teaching and guidance and directions and directives. And Father, I pray for the lost that once they hear this gospel preached to them, that how they are sinners in need of a Savior, and that how you loved mankind so much that you demonstrated that love by sending your Son in the likeness of man to come to this world to die for their sins. Jesus was our substitute. He took on the punishment, your wrath, that was rightly due to us. But he 
paid our penalty of death by he dying on our behalf, taking our charges and nailing them to the cross with him. And those who turn over their lives to Christ, we have repented of our sins. Father, repentance is necessary for salvation. We know that it's not that it's not a work. We know we are saved only by your grace through faith and belief in Jesus Christ. We believe that he is in fact God, that he is the savior of our world who died for us. We believe that no question whatsoever. So I pray that the lost hear this message and be pricked in their hearts so that they may ask, what must I do to be saved? And like Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So Father, we lift up holy hands. We give you thanksgiving. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for being a God who has not left us in our sins, but you have made a way for us to be reconciled back to you through Jesus Christ. And we shall live our lives in gratitude that we have crossed over from death to life, from darkness to the light, and we shall live sensible, godly, upright lives because Christ laid down his life for us. This life we live in the body, we live it by faith in your son who shed blood for us on the cross. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you all of our worship and obedience. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, amen. Amen. All right, folks. Well, there we have it. Another one in the can. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. And that's 1 Corinthians 15, 33 to 34. Amen. Amen. And henceforth, walk in obedience to Christ. And don't give up on him. Stand firm until the end. He told us, Matthew 24, 13, The man who endures until the end, that same shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.